you need to know what your objectives are. So many real estate professionals and entrepreneurs are what I would call deal junkies. So they go find a deal, they do the deal, whether it's buying an investment and then they hold it and then they sell it, or whether it's doing a development and you buy the land, you do the development, then you sell the property. Lots of deal junkies out there. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Fred Pierce. Fred is joining us from San Diego, California. He is the founder and CEO of Pierce Education Properties, which is an owner-operator of student housing nationwide. Fred started this company 26 years ago. Pierce Education Properties owns nearly 20 major student housing communities and is building additional communities later this year. Frank, thank you for joining us, and how are you? I'm doing just great. Really a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Fred, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, so I own one of the largest student housing companies in America, and we go to the largest public universities in America. So we go to universities with 20,000 undergraduate students or 25,000 total students that play Division I football at the Power Five football conference universities or those known as the group of five universities, football conference universities, if they're in major metropolitan areas. And we've had the good fortune that since founding the company, we've acquired more than 27,000 beds of student housing, more than a billion dollars nationwide. I got to ask you this, you're a huge football fan or is D1 schools just a metric to make sure you're in a big location? Yeah, that's a great question. I get that question all the time. And if you come into my office to commemorate all the universities where we've been involved, we have those little mini football helmets. We've got a shelf of them, which is really kind of cool. If you look behind me, the bottom of those feet that you see on that portrait, and I'm going to actually do this. That is a portrait of the greatest football coaches at San Diego State history. So John Madden and Don Coriel, Herm Edwards, Joe Gibbs, in any event. But to answer your question, yes, I am a football fan and I'm a big college football fan. But the reason that's our criteria is that athletics is a marketing tool for universities. And when they play big time division one football, pretty much most kids have heard of them. And as a result, there's insatiable demand, enrollment demand at those universities. And that's what you want. You want an anchor in any business, right? And in our business, my anchor is the neighboring university. Enrollment needs to be strong, and enrollment is always strong at big-time Division I football universities. Fred, how did you get started 26 years ago in student housing? It started when I was in college. This would have been in the early 1980s, and I got an internship with a real estate consulting firm. And I really got the commercial real estate bug, if you will, at that time. I saw how tangible 
commercial real estate was. I saw people could be very successful in that field. So when I was 21, I decided someday I want to own my own company. Now, I didn't know that that was going to be student housing or university real estate, but I knew it was going to be commercial real estate. And I set off for the first 10 years of my career as a real estate consultant, working on gigantic real estate projects all over the country. Ultimately, I ran commercial real estate consulting for Price Waterhouse, the now Final Four accounting firm, PwC they go by now. And then I got my opportunity. And my opportunity was that one of my consulting projects had been to redevelop all the land around my alma mater, San Diego State University. 131 acres, 100 acres to be acquired. And when a couple of major real estate developers weren't successful in getting that project off the ground, the project where I'd been the consultant and had given the recommendations on how to do the project to the university, university came back to me and said, Fred, these smart people can't find a way to make this happen. And it was your idea. What do you have to say for yourself? And I says, how about this? I'll quit my job. I'll start a company. You just make me the developer and I'll make it happen. And well, that's exactly what happened. They gave me a 90-day consulting assignment to write the business plan. They adopted the business plan and then they hired me, which is when I started my company 26 years ago. And that appears to be a massive project. I don't know where to start. Where did the money come from? How'd you get the plans together? Well, that's kind of the funny, interesting part of it is I believe that if you want to win big, you got to think big and you got to act big. And you are right. That project is more than 5 million square feet, multi, multi, multi billions in capital investments. And before taking that on as a principal, as a business owner, taking that on as the developer, the biggest project I'd ever developed was nine houses at a cost of about $2 million. So that's a nice segue, wouldn't you say, from $9 million to multi-billion dollars. But that's the way that it came about. And I had a great relationship with the university. And you asked about the capital. That project there, I was able to arrange for the university to obtain lines of credit to be able to put the upfront money that it takes in real estate development, the pre-development costs. And then the projects themselves were largely financed with tax-exempt bonds. And it's in fact a way early on in that redevelopment, I was able to make it work feasibly because it wasn't using conventional capital with expensive equity and bank debt, but rather it was using tax-exempt financing to finance 100% of project costs. So the feasibility with such a low cost of capital was something that worked from day one. And that's what got the project off the ground. So largely tax-exempt bond finance. And was the university part owner of this project? Yeah, so we were what the industry would call a fee developer. So we were paid a variety of fees to manage the project. And yes, in fact, the university was the owner. So when we would borrow the monies, the university would be the borrower. They would be the owner of the properties. So yes, that's the way that that worked in that situation. And then who managed the properties once it was constructed? In that case, the university, they had a large real estate portfolio. So before I was involved with them, They had grown their off-campus holdings from 100,000 square feet of real estate to over a million square feet, every kind of real estate you can imagine. So they already had in-house management capabilities at the university. So I managed the development, and then they took over the actual property management once they were completed. 
So Fred, it's been 25 years since I graduated college, but I went to Indiana University. And as I was leaving, their real estate department was just starting to acquire off-campus housing. Has that continued? Has that been a trend? And do universities now go into the real estate business, so to speak? Yes, absolutely. But let me just say, I'm an owner at Indiana University, so go Bloomington. Awesome. (laughs) I have a project there called The Avenue, and it's doing phenomenal. As a matter of fact, the university master leases my entire building. But yes, the universities all have real estate departments, and they are focused on a couple of things, but a massive thing they're focused on is acquiring land adjacent to universities, because most are landlocked. You do have some what they call land-grant universities that have gigantic property holdings on the main campus. Michigan State University is 5,000 acres, but most universities still are acquiring properties in their immediate surrounds. That's what San Diego State set out to do. In fact, there's a national organization called OREO. It's an acronym, which is A-U-R-E-O, and it stands for the Association of University real estate officials. Those are the people who handle real estate, whether it's lease transactions, donated gift property, or acquisition transactions off campus. Virtually every university in the country is engaged in off-campus real estate. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. RealEstateAccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget-to-actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to RealEstateAccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. I would think that proves a challenge for you because now you're competing with somebody with much deeper pockets, often given free land and can borrow money or has a ton of capital on their books. And you're competing with these people. How does that work? In my business, which is primarily student housing, we've done some other university related real estate projects, research buildings and the like. But my company now is a student housing company. 
there's a symbiotic nature of what universities want to do for housing and what private student housing operators, owners, developers do. And typically you'll delineate that at the freshman class. So we typically don't house freshmen. We encourage freshmen to go live on campus, live in the residence hall, get the on-campus experience. And then once they finish their freshman year, largely they're ready to move off campus. You know, the university has certain rules and regulations. They want to have a little bit more independence. So that's usually what happens. You live on campus as a freshman and you move off campus and that gives us access to them typically for their sophomore, junior, senior year, graduate students. So the majority of the students are living off campus as opposed to on campus. It's different at private universities. That's why we don't go to private universities because upwards of 80 or 90% of students live in on-campus housing at private universities. In that case, there's no market for the off-campus, the private guys. But at public universities, they have a finite amount of debt capacity even though they're public, and they want to use it for highest and best priorities, research buildings, faculty offices, classrooms, more than residence halls, so they house the freshmen. What's the minimum size of units that you would develop at a university? That's changed a little bit as things have gotten more expensive. So it's maybe better stated in terms of dollars, right? So from a development project perspective, we've got two going on right now at San Diego State. One is 169 beds, which is small in student housing business, but it's almost a $50 million project. The other is 301 beds, and it's a $60 million project. So on the development side, you're probably talking about $50 million plus. On the acquisition side, we would dip down to $25 million. And on the off-campus acquisition side, we largely want between 400 and 1,000 beds. That way it's not too small to challenge management and it's not too big to be too unwieldy. It fits right in our wheelhouse, 400 to 1,000. But the new construction, like I mentioned, are smaller projects because they're expensive, immediate walking distance to SDSU. Fred, are there amenities that are now required in student housing? I don't know what you call this latest generation that's going to go to college, but what do they need that we didn't back in the day? Yeah, that has changed dramatically. So student housing today is like a resort hotel. Back in our day, it was slumlord central, right? Yeah. You had no amenities. And that's just the way it was. Today, you'll start with usually a resort swimming pool and a spa. We'll have study rooms and a fully fitted out fitness center, yoga rooms. We have tanning beds. We have study lounges and study rooms. We have game rooms where they have billiards and ping pong and shuffleboard. Big screen TVs are all part of what is commonplace now in the student housing space. Doesn't seem fair, does it? (laughs) Well, it doesn't. I'm not sure that they can afford or live in such nice places once they graduate, but while they're in school, they're (laughs) treated pretty well indeed. And then Pierce Education Group, where does your financing come from? Do you take on investors? Our financing is historically been institutional. So our debt has largely been the agencies or other big lenders. Our biggest lender today is Fannie Mae. And our equity has been institutional. So picture life insurance companies, 
pension funds and private equity firms have been where we're at. Moving forward with a project now, first one ever, that's moving into individual investors. And we haven't done that before. And that's an exciting opportunity. But again, historically, it's been institutional and that's enabled us to do a billion dollars worth of acquisitions, which would be tough to do raising money 50 and 100,000 at a time to do a billion dollars as opposed to going to institutional investors who've been our bread and butter historically. Fred, so you obviously know how to develop large, we're going to call them apartment communities. Why not do that for non-student housing as well? Maybe seniors, urban areas? Good question. And some are doing that. I've come to learn in business that you can succeed more if you're very focused. If you've got a strategic plan, a business plan, you know who you are and you're not all things to all people. And believe it or not, while a senior apartment complex or a conventional apartment complex or a student housing complex contemporarily built may all look very similar, they're very different and attenuating to the needs of seniors on the one hand to freshmen (laughs) and seniors, I mean, senior citizens versus freshmen. Wow. What a difference. And we lease our properties up all year for a move-in that happens all within one or two days where conventional apartments have people moving in and moving out every month. So I believe in business. If you know who you are, focus on your expertise. You have the ultimate opportunity for success. So we've wanted investors to know also that our attention's not diluted, right? If they want to be in student housing, we're a leader in student housing. It's all we do. Our senior management has student housing as its background and as experience, and they're going to get the best operator they can in the business, stay focused, and have something scalable have been some of my business ethics. Yeah, great points. What's your biggest challenge today in your business? In any business, competition, right? And in the real estate business, it can be new supply. So we watch very carefully for what in all real estate industries they call barriers to entry. I want to try to find locations where it's very difficult to find land to build new supply. So I would say that would be the issue. And then we've got a contemporary challenge that there's not necessarily common understanding deeply of our industry. So I spend a lot of time educating investors by way of example. People might have thought because universities were really negatively impacted during COVID, they had to pivot to 100% online education in 2020. And then they shut their dorms down and moved all the kids home. And then they had to rebate room and board revenues, really painful for universities. On the other hand, it was a terrific year for student housing. And in 2020, my net operating income for the year beat my budget in a COVID year. And my collections were 98% in the spring and 99% in academic year 2020-2021. So there's education that needs to be done. And I'm doing that regularly. But as that gets out there, more and more investors are looking to add student housing into their investment portfolio. Was revenue up because students wanted to live away from home or did they actually relocate to home, but because they signed the lease with their parents co-signing, they were obligated to pay? (laughs) Great questions. And it was both. So in our portfolio in April of 20, right when the pandemic came out, we did a survey and 39% of our residents had moved home. 
we still had 61% living with us, but 39 had gone home. Just the next month, in May of 2020, only 30% were still home. So 9% moved back with us. And this fall, we had one of the highest show-up rates. We lease apartments starting in September for the following August, right? So September, October, November, December, we're leasing all the way through the academic year and even through the summer. So occasionally something happens in students' life and they end up in a circumstance where they don't show up. They sign the lease, but they don't show up. This last year, in the middle of the pandemic, one of our highest show up rates ever. It was over 99.5% of people showed up. And by the end of the fall semester, we had more people living with us than had signed pre-leases. So what that was indicative of was two things. That was indicative of kids wanting to be at school. And this fall, fall 2021, it's going to be the largest freshman class in at least a decade because of all those high school kids who had to study from home last year. They can't wait to get away to school. And that small percentage of would-be freshmen last year that didn't enroll, they took a gap year, they're coming back this year. But yeah, the kids want to be their colleges so much more than classroom instruction, as we all know. On the flip side, we do have parental guarantees, and that certainly was a safety net to ensure that we collected rents, whether the students were living with us or whether they were at home. Fred, what advice would you give operators in, let's say, Division two or three schools that have smaller units than what you're operating? Be careful, is what I'd say. Be careful for a couple of reasons. One is if you're at a smaller school and a new project comes online, there's a much smaller enrollment base to compete with to capture the students living with you. The second is, honestly, smaller universities are in challenging times right now. Small private universities, in many instances, are struggling for survival. Second-tier and third-tier public universities are, in many instances, experiencing declining enrollments. You definitely don't want that. You want to minimum have stable enrollment, and in a perfect world, you want growing enrollments, right? So for those, I would tell them to be very careful. And if they were building, rather than the purpose-built product that we build and own at major universities. And what that means is those are largely three-bedroom, three-bath units, or four-bedroom, four-bath units, which we lease by the bedroom. Very different model. For those at smaller universities, I'd say have your product be conventional. Have it be studios, ones and twos, so that you could pivot. That if enrollment at that university declines, you can pivot and you can lease it in the conventional marketplace. Whereas if you've got only three and four bedroom units in a small university, if something happens at that university, it's a head scratcher as to what you do to keep your property full. That's a great point. Great advice. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Here's a problem you're probably not solving for right now. 
Have you ever had a tenant squat inside your rental and refuse to pay rent? Or are you worried about renting to a serial rent dodger? You've probably used a credit report for tenant screening before. But what if I told you you're missing out on info you need to properly verify prospective tenants? That's a problem. And the solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a summary of a prospective tenant's financial information using bank verified transactional data you can't get from a credit check. This includes monthly income, payroll, past rent payments, and identity verification. Rentify's reports also highlight non-sufficient funds, overdraft history, and missed rent payments. It's all available at www.trustrentify.com. The best part is Rentify's financial reports instantly verify the full financial picture of a tenant within minutes, so you will no longer have to waste hours or even days verifying their information manually. And you can eliminate the risk of being duped by fraudulent documents and losing thousands of dollars getting unreliable tenants evicted. Visit TrustRentify.com and use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first report package. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y.com. Put in the promo code FAIRLESS, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first report package. Fred, I've got to ask you a question that's burning my mind. I'm envisioning, back in the day, the dorms that I stayed at, and they probably had 300 units, and we had RAs, we had security, the whole nine. I can't imagine as a sophomore, junior, or senior living in a resort-style community with 300 college apartments. Are there security issues, concerns? Do you guys have staff that is on each floor like an RA, so to speak? Or how do you control the partying, the crazy nights? That's a really good question also. And it's important that there's balance in our residents' life. Yeah. We care about our students and we care about them graduating. And if we got a bad reputation that we're party central and no one's graduating in our property in today's social media world, it would be our death knell. But at the same point in time, we can't be Alcatraz, right? right? We can't lock down so much that the kids can't have any fun. So there is a balance. And part of that does come with more staffing. So we definitely have way more staffing than a conventional apartment building. We have a staff of what we call CAs. So they were RAs on campus, resident assistants, and ours, they're community assistants. And they're there to be an ambassador for our residents, but also an ear to the ground. (laughs) And we do pay attention. We have rules about occupancy in apartments in terms of gatherings. We have noise rules. So if there's too much noise going to break it up. There's too many people there and we find out about it. We break it up so that we keep things under control so they can study, get good grades, graduate, but still have a good time. And your question to security, it's less security as it relates to activities because we can manage that with our staff pretty well. So then it just happens to do with the actual physical location of a property. So we've got some properties where we've got professional third-party security that's on patrol sometimes seven nights a week, sometimes busier activity nights, like Thursday and Friday and Saturday nights. And we've got other properties that they're so quiet and there's such limited activity. We have no security because there's just no need for security. So it kind of runs the gamut, probably like some conventional apartments as well. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. That's that's interesting. Fred, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investment advice, well, there's a couple of things. One of which is you need to know what your objectives are. So many real estate professionals and entrepreneurs 
are what I would call deal junkies. So they go find a deal, they do the deal, whether it's buying an investment and then they hold it and then they sell it, or whether it's doing a development and you buy the land, you do the development, then you sell the property. Lots of deal junkies out there. You can be very successful doing that. But at the end of the day, what you're left holding most likely is the profits that you made from those investments over time. I've taken a little different tact, which is to make the profits along the way, but to build an operating company that's an asset that at the end of the day is saleable. Picture like a real estate investment trust. So I've built a company that's growing, that wants to hold assets that we don't always, because sometimes our partners have closed end funds and are required to sell. But our primary objective is to build the hold. So I've got a, a company that's got a capitalized value. So I've got real estate holdings we can make money, but I've got a company that's got a tangible value as well that might merge into a REIT someday and would give me an exit for the operating company. The other piece of advice I would give is you'll be optimally successful if your business is executable, it's more simple and straightforward, and it's scalable. And I'll give you an example. I got kind of really excited early in my career when I was doing really large mixed use projects on land adjacent to universities. So talking about large quantities of retail space, 200,000 feet, 300,000 feet with anchor tenants, and then student housing, university serving hotels, campus serving office buildings, these mixed use developments. But these were really, really difficult to execute and really difficult to make scalable. So after going that direction for some time, I pivoted to where buying student apartments was something that was a burgeoning industry that I could go all over the country. And recently, investment sales have been $10 billion a year. And I can do four, five, six deals a year in acquisitions and keep doing them. And it's scalable and it's repeatable. And it's a way you can build size. And size gives you economy of scale and size gives you bigger profits. So those are my thoughts in terms of business and student housing and Thank commercial you. real estate, frankly. Thank you for that. Fred, are you ready for the lightning round? Okay. I'm not sure what the lightning round is, but go ahead and shoot. You're going to find out. Fred, what's the best ever book you recently read? It's interesting. I'd rather watch the movie than read the book. And it's easier to manage my time. But where I get my information is from two sources, periodicals. And in my business, there's one. Student Housing Business Magazine is my go-to. So that's what I read, is Student Housing Business Magazine. And then secondly, there's three major conferences in my industry. One's put on by Student Housing Business. It's called Interface. I just was there last week. And then the second are two conferences put on by the two major national associations. So NMHC, the National Multi-Housing Council, has a student housing conference once a year. So does NAA, the National Apartment Association. So rather than books, I get it from magazines and I get it from conferences is where I get my information. Hyper-focused. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Fred, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Boy, thanks for asking that because philanthropy and volunteerism is a huge part of what's important to me. And it just so happened that I got involved in giving back to higher education starting back in the late 1980s. So almost immediately after finishing graduate school, I got involved with the young alumni at San Diego State. And since then, I've spent what seems to be a lifetime 
of involvement. And today I'm on boards at four universities. So I'm the chairman of the board of Franklin Pierce University in Bringe, New Hampshire. I'm on the board of the property management program at University of Georgia. I'm on the endowment board and several others, past chairman of the College of Business, the Fowler College of Business at San Diego State. I'm on the Wine Business Institute board at Sonoma State University. So if you think of Sonoma and San Diego and New Hampshire with Franklin Pierce and Georgia, I kind of got the country staked out, right? And with that is volunteering time, but it's also making contributions. It's really meaningful to me to endow and to provide scholarships for today's students to give forward and give back to what higher education gave to me. So it's really important to me. And I spend probably 15 hours a week on volunteer activities in the charities that I support. That's amazing, Fred. Fred, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? They could reach me at our phone number, which is area code 619-297-0400 in San Diego. And our website is www.pierceeducationproperties.com. Two good places to get us. Fred, thank you for taking time out of your day today to share your journey into the student housing world, starting out as a college intern at a real estate firm. And what you've accomplished today is truly remarkable. So thank you for teaching us some of your lessons that you learned along the way. Best ever listeners, thanks for joining us as well. Have a best ever day. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.